are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to the Coffee and Calling podcast with normally Dan and Griff, but our guy Griffin is on vacation with his wife, Noel. a much needed vacation. Um, he had a, a later spring break than we did here on campus, and but he, he needed the break and we're going to have him back next week. Um, so just send up a prayer for him and pray that he just has a good time, guys. Uh, but... I am still here, and we have a great guest for today. Today, we have the Eden Buyer with us. Yeah, hello, everybody. And it's Eden, can you tell anybody that doesn't know you, um, that's listening, uh, some things about yourself, and who is Eden Buyer? Yeah, um, I am a grad student right now at Indiana Wesleyan University. I'm getting my master's degree in spiritual formation with an emphasis in human services, so I get to take four social work classes in addition to my ministry graduate classes. Mm, that's really cool. Yeah. Why did you want to do that? I was hoping to come in with an international and community development major, and that got switched at the last minute. Um, so I went in with Christian Ministries, but missed some of those practical community development skills that I wanted to have to be able to work with the populations that I want to work with. Uh, for anybody listening, Eden is one of my best friends here on campus. Eden was, she was one of my first friends on campus, met on NSO week. And I, I'll tell you this. I have one of the stupidest comments I've ever said to a person in my <laughs> life when I met Eden for the first time. <laughs> so it was, uh, <laughs> you know, you could share it if you want to, cause I feel like I'm going to like butcher it if I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I had spent a lot of time picking out my outfit for the day and it was NSO week. So you're still meeting new people. You don't know who's going to be your lasting friends. And I went to a volleyball game and Dan was sitting in front of me. And as we were leaving the volleyball game, he was like, Hey, sick outfit. And I was like, yeah, thanks. Like I worked really hard on this, but he turned back to me and he said, I actually say that to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't want to be awkward. And I just, I didn't, I, yeah, it was just really bad. And I thought in my head, I was like, Oh, I don't want to take that the wrong way. So I'll just tell her, Oh, I tell that to everybody. And the moment I said it, your face like dropped and I was like, Oh God, that just ruined it. So away every part of that compliment, <laughs> but we're still friends to this day. So sure. everything's okay. We're fine. You know? Um, so Quick question. It's a question we ask all of our guests. It's before we get into all like, you know, the nuances and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. I see you have a Frappuccino before you for people that are listening. A very a venti Frappuccino, caramel Frappuccino. But I also know what is what real quick, what is your favorite drink to get? What is your favorite if you could have one cup of coffee for the rest of your life, what would it be? Caramel macchiato. Yes. Now, if you could have a caramel macchiato with any person in the Bible, except for Jesus, who would it be? I think if you would have asked me this last semester, it would have been different. But for this semester, 
I have been really diving into the Old Testament mm-hmm. and I would love to have coffee with Moses. Any specific reason why? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, as I was reading, there's so many times throughout um, Numbers and Deuteronomy where it says that Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He talked with the Lord and then he was obedient. Um, and that aspect of being in counsel with the Lord, continuously seeing the Lord face to face as Moses did and being directly obedient to what the Lord commanded him mm-hmm. is the kind of relationship that I want to have with the Lord. And what I'm seeking with the Lord was both the intimacy and the obedience that I see modeled in Moses. So mm-hmm. I would love to have a conversation with him about what his time with the Lord looked like mm-hmm. and how he disciplined himself to be obedient, even when he didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's one thing I don't really think about much is like, you know, we kind of see like in the modern, like Western world, like people would say a time for Jesus is for some people, it's waking up every morning, fresh cup of coffee, you get your Bible out and everything and you're just sitting there. But like, what was time with the Lord? Like, especially like back then. Um, and especially for like guys like Moses who, I mean, their faces were shining as they left, like the presence of God, he goes up to this mountain. And yeah, I just wonder how truly like, you know, seeing God, even a part of him in his like full glory, um, how that affects like the way you like spend your time with the Lord just in general. Um, yeah. yeah. And the intensity of the decisions that he was making, <laughs> oh, like gosh. those kind of things were, if he was not in communication with the Lord, the amount of time that just like half the Israelites died, probably all of them would have been dead. Like he's saving that half by talking with the Lord and asking what he can do to stop whatever plague or whatever is happening with the Israelites because of sin, like that communication mm. and advocating on behalf of the people that he was serving was what saved them and brought them back into relationship with the Lord. Mm. Do you think that like type of like leadership tells us anything about how we are to operate, you know, as leaders of the church today, um, as ministers that for people that are listening that are planning on going into some type of ministry or anybody that's leading anybody, do you think that should tell us anything about, you know, leadership? Yeah, I think that actually one of Grant's spiels lately, uh, Grant is my fiance, also in the current program, also an IWU student, also on Coffee and Calling podcast. Yes. Yes. Former episode four. Yep. Episode four. Nice. A throwback episode. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, one of his recent things that he's been talking about has been how um, all Christians are followers of Jesus. And even as leaders in the church, we're never really leading. It's always following after the Lord. And I think that hierarchy or that level of relationship is very prominent in Moses's relationship with the Lord, that he would be following Christ, following the Lord and being obedient to him. And then in turn, leading the people rather than just being the person who's making decisions that are effective for business or whatever else that I think the church can fall into. Yeah. Mm. So, with that, you now have had the best coffee conversation with Moses ever. Now, if you could go back and you could watch one scene in the Bible live, what would you go see? Oh, man. There, I feel like the ones that I would go back to are those moments that you talked about earlier where the glory of the Lord is like really shown, <sighs> but then I might die. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a trick question. <laughs> Do you want to die? 
but am I just watching it yeah. or am I like, you're just watching I it. can't participate in it. You're I, not participating. I can't like take a chariot to heaven. No, you can't That'd take a cool. chariot to set. That would be dope. I would choose that probably. Yeah. If I could be participating in it. But. You're not participating. You're watching. So it's like if, if like you're just watching like a, like if you're watching Hamilton, right. I know I'm you just you. went and watched it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand the concept of watching. I'm just trying to figure out which one I would go with. <laughs> I think probably, um, maybe like the glory of God resting on the temple after Solomon's blessing when the oh. temple is built. I think that would be cool. Or yeah. like the presence of God resting as a cloud, um, over the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And the, like the cloud lifting up. And telling the Israelites where to move. I think that would be crazy. I just imagine those seeds where you just start seeing, that, oh, are we supposed to follow that? Okay. <laughs> the original GPS. Yeah. I wonder how many people were left behind. How do you move a whole nation when a cloud moves? <laughs> Where'd the cloud go? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I really thought about that one. Like, could you, especially like in that time, like, hey, we're going to, we're going to follow this cloud. We're just going to hope it's the Lord. <laughs> yeah. On a sunny day, you just get to sit still. Hey. It's kind of nice. Actually, they didn't like sitting still. They kind of complained. And then they would just. You Fair know, enough. I guess make, while you're in the, make the wilderness, <laughs> the wilderness. <laughs> then maybe you don't want to sit still so much. Why are we not moving? There's no cloud. What That's do you a want word to out do? there for someone. I don't know. <laughs> That's a word. Somebody need to hear the turn the podcast off. You need to go. That <laughs> is. That's a, that's the first time we've been doing that kind of like question for like the last few weeks. That's the first time that's been talked about. It's just like the cloud and everything like that old scene. Most people, like most of the time you think of like, you know, like splitting of the sea or like all that. The one thing that I love about like what you said is like, those are details that not many people realize are going on in scripture. Like, especially like when the splitting of the sea happens, like that's pretty crazy. But the fact that the cloud is up there and there's flames of fire confusing the Egyptian warriors so that they don't catch up with the Israelites. And then the Israelites are also being followed by this random cloud that's also on fire that's guiding <laughs> them. And I'm like, and now you're on the like both sides. There's just sea going straight up in the air. I wanted like, I would have passed out. I think like, like just the insanity of that. But what's like, I, just a little funny thing, like, What's something like that you read in the Bible that makes you laugh that you would kind of like to see like in person, like a little like aha moment? I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the she bears coming out of the forest and <laughs> mauling like 40 children or something like that. Jeez, Eden. Yeah. You want to see children get mauled? <laughs> <laughs> they just call them bald. Like That's these kids are picking on him and then they're mauled by yes. I wouldn't want to see that, that graphically. Is, that is. But I think that would be something crazy that I also would identify as something a little bit silly in scripture. <laughs> it is. I guess when you say it the way that you say it, I would take it back. <laughs> But I, did, I I get you now with like just imagining some kids running up to him and be like, you're bored, ha ha ha. Bears, get them. <laughs> I feel like that would be wild. I feel like, yeah, I feel like his stories are the best. Like when he lays, uh, or the kid's, I think, dead, and he lays on top of him and then marches around the house and then lays on top of him again and then marches around the house. And then the kid is raised from the dead and he knows because he sneezes, the kid sneezes seven times. And I've always wanted to pray over someone and have them start uncontrollably sneezing. <laughs> What's happening? In the presence and the healing of the Lord, you know? Bruh. That'd be crazy. Goodness. Goodness. Gives you, um, my prayers give you allergies. 
Just watch out. Now, before I pray for you, you might want to get a tissue. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> I don't know that that would be my leading line. Oh, no. That would, <laughs> that, that would not be. I don't think a lot of people would. No, you don't have to pray. It's okay. It's okay. That is. Um, so, get into the, we're missing Griff today, but I do want to say the quote he most of the time says. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. <laughs> Love you, Griff. Um, but what is your calling story? What is your calling to ministry events before it? some events even after, but what is your story of your call in the ministry? Yeah. So I know a lot of people have like one event, someone points to them in the mm-hmm. middle of a congregation of people and says, you're supposed to go into ministry. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> That's her fiance's great story. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> he is live in the studio too right now. And there's a, isn't a burn that's cool it is cool that's just, not, <laughs> that's just not what mine was i had a very progressive call to ministry mm-hmm. so i can remember even as young as like being five years old um, my mom actually homeschooled us and she would read us stories um she did like a missionary homeschool curriculum and she did it mostly because she was lazy because they would mail her all of the books and the supplies she needed so she didn't have to go out and get them for herself but what that resulted in was a lot of stories about missionaries and so she would read those to us every morning. And I think that was my first like very early exposure to what the mission field looked like. Um, and throughout middle school, just having opportunities um, to work with students who had been adopted from Ethiopia or mm. other places and hearing about their culture and just their story and working or I guess getting to babysit for families that did foster care mm. and working with refugee children and those kind of opportunities that really clarified in me a call specifically to Africa is what it looked like at first. So I knew, I mean, freshman year of high school, if someone would have asked me what I was going to do when I went to college or whatever, I would have said, I'm going to go to Africa. And Mm. that didn't have like, it wasn't, I'm called to ministry. It was, I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to start an orphanage. I'm going to work with kids and I'm going to show them the love of Christ. Mm. And as I continued to take steps of obedience towards that, I, I think God really opened up and was gracious enough to just give me that really small thing to start and then open it up as I continued to journey with him. And so in attending school, I actually didn't want to come to college. Mm. I, yeah, I just wanted to go directly to Africa. I mean, why get poor before going somewhere where you're not going to make money, (laughs) but (laughs) that is exactly what I did. Um, so the Lord's <laughs> provision is over you. <laughs> you say that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my bank account, <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> It'll you be know. fine. The Lord does provide. Um, in coming to college, I think the Lord really clarified my call to be a follower of Christ first and foremost. I think I learned a lot about what it looks like to be a disciple mm-hmm. and to be obedient to what He has called all people to. Um, And then in addition to that, I just really have recognized the heart of God for the marginalized, vulnerable people groups, um, people who are pushed to the side or oppressed, and my heart goes out to them and I want to do ministry and I want to do practical things within ministry um, and like the community development, social work side of things to really advocate and serve 
those mm-hmm. those people. Yeah. So a lot of little things that <laughs> added up to a call to ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring out what that looks like as far as how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to do like entrepreneurship, start a small mm-hmm. business and do advocacy and discipleship ministry for mm-hmm. refugees in Australia. Mm-hmm. That's the that's plan A right now. That's plan A. <laughs> but I think I've also been humbled in my call that the Lord could call me to anything and mm-hmm. I would want to be obedient to whatever brings him the most glory. Come on. Could you um I guess like elaborate on how you got to that point where you were just like like you know there's specific things I want to do, but being open to things that you might not know yet. Um, but being like I truly just my call into ministry is to do what brings God the most glory. Um, and just elaborate on like what kind of brought you to that point. Yeah. So coming in as a freshman to Indiana Wesleyan, I, well, backtrack. When I was 12, I told my parents that I was going to fly to Africa, <laughs> that I did not need to go with an organization, that they could just put me on a plane. And when I arrived, that God would tell me where to go. That did not go over well. Hey man, <laughs> I, it would have surprised me if somebody did that. <laughs> <laughs> I was confident. My parents were less confident. And then- put in place a rule that I could not leave the continental U S until I was 18. So <laughs> Cause they didn't think you'd come back. <laughs> That's fair. That there is were fair. a lot of people that had to like, are you going to come back from Africa if you go there? And I think it was a 50, 50 shot, but here we are. <laughs> but here we are. Um, <laughs> yes. So freshman year, I was looking for, an opportunity to go to Africa the summer after freshman year. And I was searching out things and trying to find a way to serve and just everything was falling through. Like it was not Mm -hmm. working. And I think part of that was the Lord had given me this vision of my call and what I would be doing in service in Africa. And rather Mm -hmm. than holding that loosely and allowing that to still be the Lord's to bring into fruition, I took it as my responsibility to push that agenda um, and kind of take it into my own hands. And the Lord quickly humbled me and there was no opportunities to go to Africa and I did not get to go that summer, but I had an opportunity come up in Australia. And so mm-hmm. I figured that at least it's not in the continental U S and mm-hmm. I went there and the Lord knew what he was up to because it was the top place for refugees from the Congo and Uganda. So we just got to really minister and there were multiple families, even within the small congregation that I served that were from the Congo. And I was, Um, in very close relationship and getting to minister and to serve them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that continued my call to not only be people like going to Africa, but also serving um, Africans that have been placed in other, other countries due to unsafe circumstances or whatever else that I get to serve and Mm -hmm. be present in multicultural ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. That, that is pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) And then the Lord did fulfill that that call to go to Africa as well. Mm-hmm. So after my, uh, after just this, what was this last summer? Yeah. So after my third year of school, there sorry, we go. There I was we trying go. to figure out which one. It is pretty confusing with it the current program. Graduated in three. So um, after my senior year, I guess. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Yes. Technically. I went to South Africa. Me and my fiance Grant went to South Africa. And that came about with. I, I was taking this class called Perspectives and it's with Global Partners Organization mm-hmm. and there's missionaries from different places that come. I wasn't actually supposed to be in the class. My older sister was in the class and she told me that I was invited to the first, like the first person who was speaking. 
And I did not want to go because it was a three hour night class and I had been in classes all day, but she said that she would make me dinner if I went. And so she cooked me food. We had dinner together and then I went to class with her and turns out that day, a man who's from South Africa currently lives in the U S but runs a missions organization that sends um, funds and supports missionaries in South Africa. Mm. He was speaking. And as he was speaking, I, I felt the presence of the Lord kind of nudge. Did you forget? And I definitely did not forget. I was, <laughs> I was just learning how to be patient and content in the season that God had me in. But when I felt that nudging, I walked up to him and I said, I need to go to South Africa this summer for as long as you'll mm -hmm. let me. And can you make that happen? And he said, in faith, I say, yes. And that was, <gasps> that was literally it. That was our whole conversation. I gave him my contact and. And in faith, it happened. In faith, it happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that day that. If we were walking to Nago and you just went, I'm going to go to South Africa this summer. And I was like, really? Wow. When did that happen? Last night. What do you mean last <laughs> night? <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a switch up right there. Even more of a shock to my fiance where we had just been long distance for, well, we were dating at the time, had been long distance for five months and mm -hmm. we had been back for maybe a month. And I went to this class and I said, I called him probably 15 minutes after the class was out. And I was set, like 100% that set that I was going to South Africa. Mm -hmm. I just felt very confirmed about that. And so I called him and I said, hey, so I'm going to South Africa this summer. Just kind of letting him know, you know, it wasn't a conversation. It wasn't a, he was like, well, should I come too? And yeah. And then, so, he, came. And then he came, which was good. The Lord had to humble me in that too, though. I was definitely prideful in that I had been waiting a decade to be able to go to <laughs> Africa and having this call and this wait on me. And, um, I learned the value that God calls people in his timing mm -hmm. and Grant doesn't have to wait 10 years to be obedient to what the Lord has called him to. And mm -hmm. both are good and both are the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Come on. So true. Cause a lot of opportunities come to us in ministry. Um, and some opportunities that are like dream opportunities, but sometimes it's just not the right timing. Like I know, especially like as we're kind of going into like our residency, one of the things that I've been like, you get different offers from like churches that are like, well, we'll, we'll have you be a lead pastor. Like, or like for me, like a, like a lead youth pastor, like right now. And like the temptation, sometimes it's like, oh no, I'm definitely going to do this. But also knowing that like right now I'm being led somewhere else for the next like two years to be in this residency. And I think a lot of times different distractions and different things will come up that try to say to you like, no, you need this or you need to do this now. Um, and just some things is just not the right timing for it. And that patience is something I know I've really like have struggled with because I'm a person that I just love doing stuff and I love like going into it and getting it done. And I think that if, as we like going into it, as ministers need to understand that we are called into ministry and we are led into different things but we don't get to choose the timing of it when certain things come up and sometimes there are like there's opportunities and we get to choose which one we go into but sometimes you do have to have that patience season where you wait and then it comes eventually and yeah it's better timing you know because you've done that like freshman year you would not have gone with grant and like, I think of like, you would have still had a great experience, but like, that was such a special experience that you had with like your fiance. And I, I mean, 
I know you guys personally like really well and just all those testimonies from it and like what the Lord did in both of you, I think was like such a beautiful thing that I think like you guys were probably meant to do that together. Yeah. yeah. And ironically, mm-hmm. while we were there, we figured out that we were called to Australia. So in <laughs> <laughs> going to the place where we were finally in the place where God had called me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was such a sweet time. I felt so honored by the Lord to be yeah. in a place yeah. that he had called me to for so long, but mm-hmm. really bringing clarity as to what the future looks like for us. And you talked about how going through that process was really humbling. And is there any like piece of advice to anybody that's like listening right now, like about going through those seasons where the timing's off, certain opportunities didn't go the way you thought you get all these curveballs. What would be your advice to people as even though they navigate those things? Yeah, I think it's easy to, I, well, I think first of all, it's an understanding of the character of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding that the Lord wants good things for you and he wants for mm-hmm. you to prosper and to experience blessing. And so he's not keeping you from good things. Mm-hmm. Um, he has better things for you or maybe even the joy and, you know, strengths that you would get through an, a season of suffering. Like all of that is good in the eyes of the Lord. And so mm-hmm. first of all, understanding the character of God. And I think the key with those seasons is holding tighter to the character of God mm-hmm. and who God is and your intimate relationship with him, um, holding that tighter than your dreams mm-hmm. or even the calling that he's called you to, because your calling can be limiting. Yeah. If God calls you beyond what you currently know your calling is, will you be obedient or will you hold so closely to your calling that you miss what God actually had for you? And Come so, on. yeah, I think it's a lot of the assumption that we know what's best for us mm-hmm. or we know <laughs> like our dreams are as big as it gets yeah. rather than understanding. Um, I love what the missionary actually that we worked with in South Africa, something that she said was that she, I asked her what her five-year plan was for ministry. And to start, she just laughed at me. She just thought it was a really funny question. And then she said that she didn't have a five-year plan. She said it was like, she told the story of a guard dog and a police officer and how the guard dog is like, knows the voice of the officer Mm -hmm. and is obedient to the commands of the officer. But if you watch closely, the guard dog never takes his eyes off of the officer even with the commands. And she was sharing how her story, her testimony of having started three schools in the squatter camps in South Africa (laughs) and, you know, four churches in that area that she's, she's nothing special. She just has a really good handler and she's Mm. learned how to be obedient, um, but also keep her eyes always on the handler. And I think that that's the key for being faithful in those seasons Wow, is to be faithful Mm-hmm. to the God that you're Come serving, on. not the calling that right. you're seeking. If you're taking notes, <laughs> scribble that one down. Why don't you? But like, I, I once heard a, a pastor like a few weeks ago said something that actually it was Jackie Hill Perry. Uh, nice. Shout out to Jackie Hill Perry. Another great podcaster. What's her podcast again? Oh. 30 minutes with the Perry's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 30. not the one to there ask about that. There we go. Or, uh, I think so, one thing that she said that was really good is that we have this idea of holiness where we think that it's about performing these different tasks that are going to make us holy. And she talked about how, no, holiness is God. God is holy. So be holy as I am holy. And if you want to know what it means to be holy, 
look towards Christ, look towards God. And as she was going into that, she said, but what if Jesus lives you, leads you into a way of living that makes you uncomfortable? And we think that that might be wrong. But she said, one of the things you have to tell yourself is that God, part of his character is God can't sin against you. God can't do anything like God can't do something wrong to you. In your mind, you might think, man, this is messed up. Or you might be disappointed. But truthfully, God cannot do something to you that is sinful or it will be wrong for you. Like you said, so in such an awesome way, God really does want the best for you. And we hear these, uh, God does want you to prosper. That is not like a, I know people sometimes get like, oh, that's so cliche or like all that. It's true. But what does prospering look like to God for you? What does the best look like to God for you? Um, And that sometimes looks different than what you think. Yeah, I think that on that same track, it's, I think we get confused about our obedience as it relates to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, So like the Lord, the Lord loves you and that's not going to change. His character is the same. That's consistent. Mm -hmm. And your obedience to him is not out of, you know, if I do this, he'll love me. Or if Mm -hmm. I'm obedient, then he'll love me. He Mm -hmm. always loves you. Yeah. But the answer is, or like, I guess the correct phrasing of it would be um, the verse that says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so it's, you love the Lord. And as a result of that, you're obedient. So your obedience is not tied to his love for you, but rather your love for him. And it's Mm -hmm. an answer to the simple question that he asked Peter, do Mm -hmm. you love me? Especially today in the way our culture sometimes goes, it's like so crazy is that loving God in that mindset of like always loving our commands. Sometimes what people get confused with is like, doesn't that sound work-based? No, no, it's, Jesus has given us this free gift of grace that we have received and salvation, which is also healing as like healed this sickness of sin within us. So that as we go and follow his commands, it's saying pretty, I I love this way. It's like us going and following his commands first comes out of a place of God's love fully washing over us and God first coming. The only way we can live that life is by truly first receiving the free gift that Christ has given us. And I think sometimes maybe people get it backwards in their faith where they're like, if they fall into sin, I'm just going to do a bunch of stuff. And then now I'll get back into God's love or I'll get back into God's grace. God's grace and God's love was never removed from you. It's actually just, the thing isn't doing more. It's actually just resetting your eyes upon him. And then you'll begin living back into the ways of Jesus And especially in seasons where you have to be really patient. And I think kind of what within what you were saying, we can't, um, you can't do things just because you want God to work out things the way that you want them to be worked out. You don't, we don't do these things of holiness like, man, if I start living out this holy lifestyle, then God's going to give me my dream ministry job. Or if I start doing all this stuff, God's going to send me to the nation I want to go to. We can't have that mindset when we do things for God because, yes, those opportunities do come up. And if you're faithful with the little, like you'll begin seeing more opportunities, but you just don't know what those opportunities are. Yeah, you're not asking, you're not doing something that you Uh think is good and asking God to bless it. You're doing what Mm -hmm. God has blessed and being obedient and joining Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, there's this idea of like crazy faith where, man, if you just 
go out there and you have like that crazy faith for Jesus, then God's going to just start blessing you with all like these opportunities and these things that you want. And it, it, it kind of almost gets commercialized, like almost like Burger King, like have it your way. Shout out to my mom. She always uses that analogy. So that's why I said it. And it, I love, and it, I'll come home from like something. she would be like, you know what? You know what makes me mad, Daniel? I'm like, what? Mom, shout out to Beth. Uh, but she always goes, some people just want church like Burger King have it your way. <laughs> it always makes me laugh because it's such like a cheesy, like Christian mom thing to say, fair but enough. it is fair. Like it is fair. How, like, how are we like that with God? It's like, it's almost like transactional. Like God, I'll do this stuff for you. I'll go through this suffering. But as long as I know that this is the end thing that I'm going to get. Right. Not trusting God with the outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is the individual individualized. Mm-hmm. Sorry, let me figure out how to say that word. Um, the individualized nature of American Surmised. culture. <laughs> That's not a word, Dan. <laughs> not the way you're using it. Um, that, I feel like we have to do backstory on that now. That, okay. okay, so Dan and Grant were giving a presentation in one of our courses. And I think Grant went first, maybe. Yeah, I think Grant did. went first and he started using the word surmised. And what he was meaning to say was summarized. And he was using it within that context. So it was like, I read this and I surmised and it, it just didn't make sense. And I was like, that's not a word. And so, but Dan went right after him. It was a group project. Dan was presenting next. Dan starts repeating the word surmised. And I'm like, that's really not a word. But it had me, like, I got curious because I was like, if both of them are using it, Maybe it is. So I look it up on dictionary.com. It is not a word in the way that they were using it. Surmised is a word, but surmised is not a word. And it doesn't mean summarized, but yeah. What does they it just mean? kind of, oh, I don't know. But you guys fed off of each other <laughs> and just decided it was a word and ran with it. But then you, you called us out in the middle of our presentation. Yeah, well, Lakia's class. Shout out to Lakia. Shout out to Lakia. We're in the middle of presenting, and then Edith just goes, that's not a word. I what think I you? waited till the end. Did you wait till the end? I don't end? think I interrupted you. You didn't interrupt? No, I let you guys run with it. That's why I would have, if I was going to correct, I would have corrected it the first time Grant said it. Oh, yeah. It made it through yeah. way too long. Yeah. I think I just told you at the end. Uh, I just made it through. Hey, but no one, you know, you were the only one that said something, though. Fair enough. So... Well, Anyways, back to the anyway, back to the back to the regular scheduled teaching. The, the meat and potatoes. <laughs> the meat and potatoes. Um, <laughs> like the sides right there. <laughs> um, in this in in a society where everything is so individualized and we uh-huh. want our call, um, I think it's easy to see our call as something that's like specifically set out mm. for someone. So you are called to this, no one else can do this. If you don't fulfill this, then you've failed the kingdom of God, right? Like we can kind of, yeah. I, I know a lot of people here that put that amount of weight on their call to ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we see in scripture is that God has been about the same mission for thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And he's going to continue to be about the same mission for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. And what we're doing is in the short period of time that we have here, we are simply joining him and all other believers across all of time and all countries, we are joining in that mission that God has called us to. Um, But I think that when we put so much weight on our individualized calls, Mm -hmm. we can feel that of like, if I don't perform or I don't do this correctly, then I really am failing and I Mm -hmm. do need to be in right standing with God. Um, I do have to do good things in order to be righteous in God's eyes. Yeah. It does become really performance-based or if certain... 
someone said like uh one of our guests um aj gillespie was talking about this like a few uh, uh like last podcast ago i think um but he was talking about how because thing when he showed up to iwu because things weren't like the other testimonies he heard about other people's callings and all that stuff going he felt like he was failing when he first came on a campus and he felt like man i'm just not doing the right things i must be doing something wrong and it's almost like we hear testimonies and that becomes the template for the way we things are go- we think are going to go that okay this is the template this is all that and then i'm just going to fill it in with my different things in life there's just going to be different people and it's going to be all that and when that doesn't happen it's like did i do something wrong and it's like no there's different plans that i mean look at the if we look at the word every different character in the bible none of them had the same story like even like you could go down to the nitty gritty of like the different paths the disciples go on um but i just think of so many times like it getting a calling isn't like like a lot of people use sports team analogies um when it comes to like different just like analogies when it comes to the church before you've never sports heard like analogies. sports analogies never? i mean like in general yes but not specifically related to calling not related to calling at all no I don't think so. no no i meant like sports in like the church oh. not like with calling no i was about to say is like they don't work with calling like the whole oh i see like, okay sorry continue that's what i mean like it isn't like this is like we're presenting to you you're going to play this position and you have to win the super bowl like as christians the super bowl is already won for us christ has we are living in a place of victory we're not living in defeat we are doing the work for the lord we are going out sharing the gospel with people but we're not going out and fighting a battle that we're going to lose um in the sense of like in the greater good christ will return and that he will the victory will be won and uh the enemy will be defeated and so times we think that we're given this position as if like you're drafted from like a team and it's like okay here you go Here's how long you're going to do this. And if you don't meet these criteria, you don't win these amount of games, you don't do all this, then you failed. Um, but it doesn't work that way when it comes to our callings in life. Um, success is not based off like the numbers or the things, the amount of like accolades you get. Success is in the faithfulness. Um, I, I look at the passage where it talks about the talents and one person was given five talents, the other was given two. They both returned at multiple value, but both were given the same comment. Um, both were said, man, like, well done, my good and faithful servant. So in the world's concept, it's like, well, shouldn't the people that were given more talents or done, did more things, should they get more applause? No, because God doesn't like look for the biggest things. He, he looks at those who are faithful and that is not, like that it's such a backwards way of thinking. Like we're not out here trying to, again, like win a championship. So whatever, whoever he's listening, like whatever your calling is, this isn't a call to do something that's going to be a performance for the rest of your life. This is a call to do something to be obedient to. Uh, this is a call that is a gift of grace, like from the Lord to be able to be in partnership with God and his work to one day see the ultimate fulfilling of that. And I think in a way that just takes such a pressure off of us where it's like, God doesn't need us to do all this, but he wants us and he desires to have that type of relationship. So if you fail, it's like, you're not going to ruin God's plan 
because you failed or things didn't go your way. Like God's will is still going to be done. That doesn't mean perfectly. That doesn't mean to self-destruct on purpose, but it does oh. mean, <laughs> that's mean that doesn't matter because God's will. You know, no. What was that voice? That doesn't matter. <laughs> that is like, the, that's just the voice that came to my head. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I've never used that voice before. I feel like too. that should be like a ringtone or something. <laughs> ring, <was>. ring. <laughs> At your phone. <laughs> yeah, it is. But yeah, so like I, I like what you said there about how you're not getting called into a performance. You're just, you're getting called into almost like this beautiful responsibility. Right. Just, yeah. Yeah. And my mom, my mom always said that especially in conversations or in situations where um, there's like a, an independent variable, like there's things that you can't control in the situation. She always tells me to decide what the win is before Mm -hmm. I go into it. So, and in that, I just mean that if I'm having a conversation with you and I need to decide what the win is going to be, it's going to be that I communicate to you what I meant to communicate. Not Mm -hmm. that you respond in the way that I want to, because I can't control your response. Um, and I think in the same way in the Christian life, we already have the victory, like what you were saying. Um, and if we designate that as the win, if we designate the win as being God's victory and bringing glory to him, then we're always winning. Like we live within that. We live within Never take a loss. the freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Never lost. <laughs> Whereas if you, if you don't trust God with the outcome and the win is that you perform perfectly, yeah. um, it becomes very selfish and individual focused rather than creator focused. Yeah. It becomes more about, cause you're always trying to protect yourself and you're always trying to serve yourself. Um, and you might have like some people like, well, they had like, you know, good intentions. Um, but at the end of the day, like you can get to a certain end, but the means can do so much damage within that. And yeah, you might get to a certain thing, but what you did alongside might hurt certain people. Um, and it might cause a ripple effect where yeah, you read your goal, but the goal wasn't like lasting fruit by any means. Um, and in the mystery of God, he still works through that. Um, but one thing that I was thinking about was like how over the summer you get to do summer ministry teams, which if you're listening and you haven't listened to other podcasts on that, that's where pretty much we get to travel around for the summer. Some of us students here and just go to different summer camps and help them out. And each week, each camp is different. And I would say some weeks, like you have moments where like there's beautiful, like these like crazy moments with your entire cabin where, yeah, just like the the spirit of God is like moving. But there's other weeks where the true victory is that you ask a kid a question in small group time and they haven't answered the whole week and they answered in that moment. And that moment is such a work of the spirit also. And I kind of had this mentality of like you go into each week without having expectations like that it's going to be like the last week you come in with fresh, you know, we're going to come in here and Lord, I love what you said there. Cause like that kind of puts words to a lot of different things of come in with that win in mind of like, if I can just reach one student, any student uh, with the love of Jesus Christ this week, then that would be like a win for me. And you come into that and when you're truly praying and seeking that you begin to see like these little moments aren't less moments. These, even in these like things that we would say, quote unquote, like little are so like 
amazing and beautiful how God works through that. With the patient thing, this came to mind, but I, I thought about how, um, I think it was when uh, Paul was on his way to Rome, I want to say, when he got shipwrecked. I couldn't tell you. Which one? I don't know. It was Rome? Okay. Um, so he's on his uh, way to Rome, and then he got shipwrecked, and he was just chilling there for like a hot minute. And I just think of all, like he was so excited to go to Rome and then just this shipwreck did like shipwreck wasn't going to be like a two day fix. Like you had to, you had to build a ship and like, they had like nothing. And I just think about the, there's these sidetracks in life that happen that aren't planned and that are like, Whoa, those came out of nowhere, but how you can still do the work of God, even in the midst of those sidetracks and how, you know, you weren't going expecting to go to Australia that one year, but how much that's worked out you know, in the later sense of, hey, you're going to go back. Yeah. A little Australia. What do you, uh, just tell everybody, what are you, uh, what are you, you and Grant going to be doing out there in Australia? Yeah. Um, Grant has a full-time position at mm-hmm. a local church in Toowoomba, Australia. And I do not have a position yet, but I feel confident that the Lord will put me in the position that he desires for Mm -hmm. me. So a lot of our options right now that we've explored um, are where Grant can fulfill his residency requirements. Yeah. And so not that I'm just going along. I have purpose and I have joy in being able to serve him in that way. But I also, I I trust the Lord that there are good things for Mm -hmm. me in the place where we're going to. So in Australia, what I would really love to do is to serve the refugee population. So Mm -hmm. in whatever way, um, secular or church, Christian kind of Mm -hmm. organizations, I would love to serve and be present in just those hard times. I'm yeah. Yeah. Just living out the verse of, um, God doesn't abhor the affliction of the afflicted, but he hears them when they cry. And so how do we be a people who don't turn away, but are attentive to the needs of those around us Mm -hmm. and are able to serve them the way that Jesus served so i love that yeah that's my plan hey sick it's a good plan yeah very loose very married solid solid (laughs) (laughs) it'll be fine we'll figure it out you know (laughs) that is even if you have to work at ghana or something right you know yeah that'd be such a that would be it's an australian or anybody listening it's an australian you'd probably be able to tell more about it than me but it's a really dope australian clothing brand it's what i know it's nice it's cool i like it so what would be your biggest piece of advice to anybody that is navigating the early stages of their calling? Like you go back in time, you're sitting with freshman Eden and you, she asked you, Eden, four years from, you've experienced my life for the past four years. <laughs> Crazy concept I'm saying right now. <laughs> but uh, what would be your biggest piece of advice? I, speaking to high schoolers who are called into ministry, my Biggest piece of advice, I think, would just be to cultivate an intimate relationship with the Lord. Mm. Um, And you can hear that a lot and say, yeah, well, I do my 15 minutes of reading the scripture and Mm. I pray sometimes. I pray at dinner, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. whatever it looks like. Maybe you even have really deep relationship with the Lord. Um, But there's always more. And I think that if I would have taken my relationship with the Lord as seriously as I took my call to ministry— then I would have been even more in love with him than I am right now. Yeah. So that would be my advice. Sick. It's solid advice. Um, so me and Griffin normally end this time with uh, just affirmations we want to give our guest. Um, 
And for me, my affirmation towards you is, of course, I've you're like a sister to me, and I've had yeah, I, it's been so awesome to just live life with you for the past four years. Um, but just going off of everything we talked about in this conversation, just anybody listening is that um, Eden is a real person. Like what she's saying is not fake. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm really like, I'll go with the flow and everything. Like, you know, I'm okay with that. Like, that's not coming from like, she's trying to like check anything or like, she's like trying to affirm herself even in a certain way. It's mainly just like, that's really what you have cultivated through your relationship with the Lord and the trust that you have built with him. And I truly believe that I'd, What's really cool is that I'd be able to say like, oh, I bet you that person will be doing this in a few years. But in like 10 years, I I, I don't know what you'll be doing for ministry. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a, and I'm, I'm, but I'm really excited for you because I think there's just this willing, this true desire to want to be obedient because you love God. You, I mean, your main, your first love is not ministry. Your first love is not your calling. Your first love is not um, your friends, your family, uh, your fiance, like your first love is God. And then everything comes out of that. And truly, if you're doing the will of God, there's just this joy about you where you're just like, man, if I'm doing this, I know that life is amazing. Um, And that, and also being someone that's seen the highs and lows and how faithful you are to all that. And even in the as everybody listening, like the different avenues of like unexpected, eventually getting to Africa, having to wait here and this not coming. And then your parents pretty much keeping you in the States until 18, (laughs) um, having a 50, 50 shot of even coming back. Um, I think that just, you know, shows you're like, again, you're just willing. And I think what the piece of advice she gave you is piece of advice that she took seriously. Um, And that's just Eden. So and also, she makes some great cinnamon buns. So yeah. they're super fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, you, you're you awesome. And I, yeah, I'm just excited because I know that the Lord's just going to use you in some beautiful ways. Thanks, Dan. Well, how can I pray for you, Eden? I think, yeah, just continued prayer for even my advice for the high schoolers. Mm. Um, I would love prayer for deeper intimacy with the Lord Mm -hmm. and greater understanding of his character Mm -hmm. and the boldness to step out in obedience to what he calls. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking, I'm going to look up a scripture real quick, but before um, I pray for you, can you just, uh, can you uh, let everybody know um, one last thing I was thinking of kind of like as you were talking um, which I think is like a, a really cool perspective I've kind of seen you have is, and a lot of people say this, but what does it really mean to be hospitable? What does it really mean to be a person of hosp- to have hospitality as a Christian? Yeah, um, that is something that I'm also very passionate about and would love to see in my future ministry. I would love the opportunity to have people in my home. I just think that's an art that's really beautiful and very godly in its nature. Um, And we see so many commandments throughout the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, to be caring for people and inviting them into your home and 
and giving them food and water and a place to rest. And that's what I would like for Grant and I's house to be, would be a place where people can come and find rest and find the Lord, um, be a place where people can gather and understand him better and have fellowship. And yeah, I think that we, again, in America have just a very, the home has become very private. Mm. And I think it's in that level of intimacy and relationship that you find real Christian accountability and real Christian fellowship. And Mm. so I would really love to be able to have a greater understanding of that as well as be able to live that out in our, in our uh, grand nine's lives together. Mm-hmm. Welcoming people in. Yeah. No matter where they're coming from, no matter who they are and sharing the love of Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love the whole, not keeping the home, like don't close your doors to everybody. We're meant to open up, bring everybody in. But um, yeah, thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks for having thanks me. So much. I'm going to pray for us real quick. Um, Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for this conversation with Eden. And Lord, I just pray uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 6 over her. Um, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I pray that Eden continues to be confident in the Lord and she grows in that intimacy, in that deep relationship with him. And that she knows that wherever she goes in ministry, that the God who started that good work in her will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus where the final victory will be won. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Well, we would like to thank the band Caledonia for our music that you hear on this podcast. Um, we also want to thank the School of Theology and Ministry of at Indiana Wesleyan University for providing us with our place where we do this podcast and our equipment. Um, And we also just want to thank you listeners for continuing to listening to this podcast. And we love you so much. And we can't wait to have uh, have another person on and see you all next week. All right. Peace.